You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am your host, Tim Capper, along with the Cliffster. That sounds so stupid, but Cliffy Day. <laughs> the Cliffster. I yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know there, Tim, uh, the, the name Cliffster is actually... Uh, yeah, shut up, Cliff Clavin. Uh, <laughs> um, we wanted to, as we mentioned to you last week, that we wanted to do something different. Uh, we decided to go with a normal podcast this week because for the bye week because of um, timing issues, uh, long weekend issues. People are saying, long weekend issues? Yes. You know, we do have a long weekend that the rest of Canada doesn't have. It is uh, Saint-Jean weekend, or it was. So uh, Cliff is away, um, which is fine. We're gonna, we're gonna, we were looking at it to, to, and setting it up for another one of the other two long weekend, uh, long weekends, <laughs> <laughs> for, for one of the other two uh, bye weeks we had this season. So stay tuned. Um, speaking of, how was your long weekend, Cliff? Oh, very relaxing. It was uh, definitely good to uh, get out and just t- soak in the sun. Like that's the thing that this is the first weekend I've really had to actually go out and enjoy the nice warm weather and it's actually been warm i, I it doesn't feel like uh you know the the spring that turned immediately into fall now we actually f- actually does feel like summer like it's officially summer now as of last friday and now we actually have summer weather to go with it i mean that's a that's a heck of a concept and it works because man just beautiful sunshine and doesn't get much better than the only thing that would have made it better would have been a football game but such as how the schedule rolls out this year. Yeah, I know. I know. It's okay, though. I mean, it's, uh, I think the, the kind of idea, I think, not having it for the long week and actually think could have helped the Alouettes, um, considering um, many of the things that occurred that finally became uh, true, as was, as we'll talk about. Um, it, it, so it was, I think it was a kind of a good thing. You know, I actually do have some bad news for you, though, Cliff. Uh, as you said, we did have the summer sol- solstice last Friday. Uh, that was the longest day of the year. Uh, days are now getting shorter. Mm. That sucks. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's like, oh, yes, I'm solstice. Now let's, the days are going to start getting shorter. <laughs> Unless if you listen, I guess, in Yellowknife for Edmonton, where I think sun's currently setting around, what, 10, 10, 30? That would, yeah. That would be cool. Our, our, our buddies over at uh, Eskimo Empire must be freaking out. They, they get together and do their podcast and, like, when they're done, there's still light out. Exactly. In theory, still go out and do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to? Would you like to go to one of the farther northern cities, whether it be in Canada or in, in another country, and and experience the the um, what close to or the actual midnight sun? I would do that absolutely. I think it'd be a, a really neat experience, and just just be able to do the, the the normal things that we sort of take for granted. Just be able to do that at night, mm-hmm. but it's still daytime. It, I think it'd be a, it'd be a bit of a, a trip. I think, like, I think people would be like, "What the hell is this?" Like, I think they'd be freaking out a little bit. But I, I think it'd be really cool. I think it'd be a really fun experience to tell you the truth. Because I think it happens in the, you know, in the uh, in the territories quite a bit. Uh, but I know, I think, especially when you get up to, I mean, I think Finland and Denmark and, and those countries over there. I, I think, I think it really it would screw with our heads. 
you know, because you're ba- you have to close. You know, it, it's like you know, it's completely different than when you know when they had the you know only three day three hours of sunlight during the winter time were completely flips, which I think <laughs> would be whack. And just thinking about it, it's just totally nuts <laughs> to have you know sun the you know sunrise at eleven a.m. and it set start setting at two. Well, I, I don't know if it's in the budget, but uh, I, I would consider doing a, the podcast out in uh, like Scandinavia. <laughs> At least one of them. I think it'd be uh, kind of cool. I mean, it could be all part of that whole CFL 2.0 thing, oh, right? God, yeah. Yeah. Live from Yellowknife. Actually, we can do it in Yellowknife. Yellowknife, I think it does that up there. And it is warm during the, uh, during the summertime. Well, there you go. Commissioner Ambrosi, you, you keep talking about wanting to expand the, the CFL. I think that should apply to the podcast as well. Holler at your boys. We're, we're ready, willing, and able. Yeah, I mean, they did have a uh, the CFL game in northern uh, uh, northern Alberta, anyways. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I, I you know, I'd go to a game and game in Fort Mac again. There you go. Time, but yeah, um, so as we did have a bye week, there are interesting things that are leading up to this current uh, week versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Um, uh, one of the first things we need to mention is it's stuff that we talked about last week about injuries and stuff uh, and possible new coaches. And we had not just one, but two. Uh, but we also did verify. It also was verified, Cliff, that uh, quarter, uh, starting quarterback, Antonio Pipkin, is going to be out for approximately four to six weeks with a, an ankle injury. And. I did not think that it looked that bad, but it also now means that uh, Vernon Adams Jr. will have the chance to be starter. And I am hoping, uh, I'm sure as all Owls fans are, that if the same Vernon Adams that played in the fourth quarter uh, last uh, two weeks ago, same one that that shows up, then I'm sure we will be very happy. Um, What's your... What's your thought on 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 the unfortunate loss of our starting quarterback in Antonio Pipkin? It, it's definitely unfortunate. Uh, like you, I saw the ankle injury and I thought, okay, well, it looks bad, but I didn't think it was four to six weeks bad. I find it interesting though that the LOS still haven't put Pipkin on the six-game injured list, so they don't have they to just, yet. That's the thing, though. This is true, and uh, I can't remember what the CBA says. It has to be. I think I don't remember if there's a certain timeline when a person has to be placed on a six game, but I actually agree with you. I actually agree with you because with Zach Caleros, he was put on almost immediately. Right. So that's what I mean. It's the optics more than anything else. It just kind of gives the impression that, and the fact that they haven't exactly said what kind of ankle injury either. And I don't know if it's just a, a privacy thing or what exactly it is, or they just the, the, the team doesn't want to show their hand too much. I mean, if, if he's going to be out for four to six weeks, I'm thinking he's got to at least have a high ankle sprain, which I, I, in a lot of cases, is actually worse than actually breaking your ankle outright. Uh, I, again, I, I hope for Pipkin's sake that it's not as serious. I mean, again, four to six weeks is pretty serious. Obviously, it, it's, it's not something to take lightly. But uh, I mean, a high ankle sprain could definitely lead to a lot more uh, complicated issues. Whereas a clean break, ironically enough, may actually be the, the better thing. But once again, we just don't know what's going on. Like we haven't been told anything other than his ankle is injured. So was it? Does it sound like the same type of injury that Matthews had last year? It's possible. Uh, I, I still remember us being kind of taken aback going to the... Uh, Practicing the, him being in a boot. And it makes me wonder, is Pipkin in a boot? Well, uh, which we have, uh, Which we weren't able to do. We were trying to... Schedule wasn't allowing us to go to practice. They had a practice. Uh, the Owls are practicing around... Uh, this week, at least, at around 11.20, 11.30 over at the, over the Olympic Stadium complex. So we weren't able to go and, and, and catch what was happening. But... Um, 
Yeah, uh, it's it, it makes me wonder how bad it actually is because I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to think back if if Matthews was also claimed to be out four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I go back and check in the archives, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's I, I still it, obviously it's a huge you know we still have Matt Schultz uh, and then with this occurring, it's not that the Alouettes brought somebody up from the practice roster. They brought back a quarterback who Alouette fans know quite well as he was with the team uh, for a few years, obviously. Um, Brandon Bridge was re-signed by the Alouettes. What's your thought on Bridge being re-signed? Well, that's, the minute I heard the news that uh, Brandon Bridge was going to sign a one-year deal with the Alouettes, mm-hmm. the first thought was, yep, Pipkin's injury Same is here. pretty bad. Yeah, as you and I both said on social media to each other. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, um, but what I see is an insurance policy more than anything else because, yes, Brandon Bridge was drafted by the Alouettes in 2016. Uh, did spend a little bit of time here before uh, being uh, before moving on to Saskatchewan. And he also spent training camp with the Toronto Argonauts before being released. Uh, so, again, he's, he's in football shape at least. Uh, I, I think things are a little bit different from the last time he was here in Montreal. So I don't think it's necessarily a case of him knowing the team in the sense that he can just step in and start playing right away. Obviously, he's going to have to learn Kahari Jones's playbook and see how well he works with, with the team in that sense. But uh, what this is essentially is, as I said, an insurance policy. It, it's an able-bodied quarterback that can still come in still plays very much in a similar system as vernon adams and matthew schultz does uh just another opportunity for him to to learn to grow uh he's still a young man and he mm-hmm. still has I, I i still believe he's got a good bit of talent he's been put in some pretty tough situations has, uh, yeah. in the, in his time with not just in montreal but also when he was with the saskatchewan rough riders uh with the argos i just I think there was a lot of hope that he was actually going to break out and be given that chance. But with uh, James Franklin and McLeod Bethel Thompson, it just didn't work out for him. And he's just I I still think he's a talented enough player that he doesn't have to settle for being a third string player. But at the same time, too, being a Canadian quarterback and now that he's going to count against the ratio, if you're not going to be able if you're not going to have the intention of playing him, then. There's no point wasting uh, a practice roster spot on or anything like that. So I think now the the hope is if, for whatever reason, Pipkin's out longer than anticipated, then at least you've got a good, solid quarterback that can come in if needed and be a part of this team. Uh, I, I think it doesn't say a whole lot for Hugo Richard, who's still on the practice roster for the Alouettes. Uh, I don't know if this is just a matter of just having experience yeah. versus – the fact that, okay, the, the Richard's already been in, he's been through training camp. He, he knows the playbook. He's been with the team pretty much from day one this season. I don't think it's necessarily a matter of not having confidence in him. I think it's just a matter of not wanting to rush him along too quickly either. I agree. Where, so you bring in Bridge. He has CFL experience. He started games. Uh, like I said, it, it's been a bit of a rough go for him, but I think maybe in this, maybe this is the environment that he'll, he'll end up thriving in. And, I think it's going to be exciting for him to come back to the team that drafted him uh, back in 2016. And uh, let's see where things go with this, because uh, I, I, I still believe 100% this is now Vernon Adams' team. And just the way he played in relief of Pipkin definitely proved that he showed what we knew all along, that he definitely should have been definitely heavily considered for the starting role. Uh, there may have been politics uh, behind the reason why he wasn't officially given the starting role, but now that's all in the past. Yeah. Uh, Vernon Adams is our starting quarterback now. Matthew Schultz is the backup. And 
if Bridge can come in, get acclimated really quickly, and just become a part of this team right away, and just have that just to have that option ready to go, uh, I can definitely see him participating in short yard situations as well. Uh, with uh, he, oh, I, he did I would a, think for sure. I think that's a given. I think. That's I think. A given. Given. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think just just one of those things. Like, as I say, just get him get his feet wet again. Get him back into it. Get him back feeling like a quarterback again, slowly but surely. I think this could really be a blessing in disguise for Brendan Bridge. Uh, listen to this one, Cliff. Uh, it was almost a year to the day that Matthews was out four to six weeks. <laughs> well, dang. But also, too, let's, let's not forget the CFL season was a little bit more. Oh, no, no we, we were week three. Yeah, we were week three. Uh, it was week three. So Matthews subbed in for the injured Willie in week three, helping the Owls to cement their first win of the season in Saskatchewan. He made his first start as an Alouette the following week, so it'll be week four. So whether it whether it's not the same week, but it's almost a year to the date. It was uh, ju- uh, uh, no, I'm wrong actually, I'm wrong. So it, it was almost close to a year. It was July 17th where he was out four to six weeks. Yeah, so, but I mean it's it, you're, it's pretty close. Though. Pretty and close, just... but you know what? Four to six weeks, ankle, boot. I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing a uh, some very big similarities here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, talk to us though about huh? Hold on a second. Okay, now talk to us about the other two injuries, which seem to be very big for the Alouettes also, considering, and which we'll talk about in a couple minutes, considering who we're playing this week and what happened last week with this team, but uh, talk about the other injuries at the Alouettes, uh, which just seem to pop up out of nowhere. Well, one, not necessarily, one we did actually see happen was uh, Bola Combo. Yeah. Uh, he hurt his ribs in the uh, the game against Edmonton. Uh Looks like it might just be missing the one game, and I sincerely hope so because, as I said, he was one of our free agent acquisitions that uh, I still have a, a lot of belief that this is going to be a great move for the Alouettes. Uh, I'm hoping this is just a minor setback for Lacombo because, again, the dude is extremely talented, plays the game very hard, and I think that's what it was, was he just got kind of caught up and end up hurting his ribs. And if you've ever had bruised or broken ribs, it's not fun, and... The Alouettes would be wise just to let him recover, take the time that he needs, and like I said, hope and pray that it's just going to be that one game. And the other injury is another key free agent acquisition, and that would be Taylor Loeffler, who yeah. hurt his knee. Oh, is that what and, it was? Okay, I wasn't sure. What, you, I, what, what Where did he Where did he hurt it? Well, that's I, I was looking back. I couldn't see exactly, so I don't know if it was just something that kind of happened, and he fought through it, and then all of a sudden— Discovered it was uh, ended up being a lot worse than what or was originally anticipated, or swelling, or something happened at post game that we didn't see. But now they're they're thinking he could be out for at least two, possibly three weeks with that particular injury. So, oh, as, as long as nothing's torn, as long as there's no ligaments torn or anything like that, I'm hoping that all it is is just like a, a contusion or just a, a tweak or something like that, uh, maybe even a sprain. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that's all it is and and that. But uh, th- again, this does create opportunities for other players. Yes. Uh, we're going to be welcoming back Glenn Love to the, yeah, the fold. Yeah, that, that was that – was, and you know what? I think a lot of people were talking about Glenn Love even before uh, the injuries occurred. Yeah, because he technically had signed with Montreal as free agent – or re-upped with, I should say, with Montreal as free agent. But he was on the suspended list uh, during training camp. That's so right, that's right. it wasn't it wasn't entirely sure if he was just being outright released or if there was some other extenuating circumstances where he wasn't – participating in camp but in any event he still very much is a part of this roster and now in in relief of Lacombo he's going or uh, Loeffler sorry he's going to be slotting in and also uh 
Ty Cranston, who was a draft pick uh, in 2017 for the Alouettes, uh, he'll be re- basically replacing uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the corners out in the uh, in secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll he'll be taking over for uh, for the combo, I should say. Uh, again, he had a great preseason as well. Uh, he and his brother both were making plays left, right, and center during training camp. So, Cranston's one of those players. Uh, also. Did very well in special teams uh, against the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, definitely had a few nice hits, uh, made some plays happen as well. So now this is what we talk about is next man up. Like guys, it sucks when guys like Loeffler and Lacombo go down to injury, but now is where your depth is going to be tested. And also too, our fr- friend of the, po- the podcast, Greg Reed, yep. is no doubt going to be getting a lot more looks at Somewhere in the secondary, whether I think he so. there's going to be some. Yeah, I think they really. We'll we'll see the depth chart uh, tomorrow. I think we'll see the depth charts tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, considering where where Greg Reed's going to be and stuff like that, it's true because there there are going to be some changes in the defensive side of the ball. It's obvious with all these guys out and with these new guys coming in. Mm-hmm. And what what's unfortunate is that uh, this is going to affect the ratio because both Lacombo and Loeffler are I national players. I know. So, uh, I mean, Cranston is a national player, too, of course, but uh, Glenn Love, Greg Reed are not national players. So the, this means a little more wiggling and jiggling when it comes to the ratio. So uh, I, I'm curious to see just how it's all going to shape out. Uh, like you said, the depth chart doesn't come out till probably tomorrow or maybe even Thursday. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, I mean, if you were to ask me right now... Uh, it looks like Love and uh, Cranston are starting with the ones, and they haven't in practice so far. Uh, so if that's the way it shapes out, then I'm really curious to see just how these guys are going to step up and how they're going to participate uh, in the Salowitz defense. Yeah. Now, besides uh, the uh, the carousel of uh, injured players and new players coming in, uh, something that was kind of confirmed that we have been talking about, which had gone through social media and it had been in, in the wind and so on, uh, we actually did pick up uh, and sign that new quarterbacks coach that we thought we were going to get, um, and that uh, was, receivers coach actually. Sorry, sorry, receivers coach, um, and it it worked well. Uh, we were able to pick up uh, Flash <laughs> Flash Gordon. Um, uh, who was he? Mostly with Winnipeg, I think is really mostly known with Winnipeg. Um, but uh, what's your uh, What's your what's your thought on on, on the uh, this this actually becoming a an actual thing? Well, as I said before, with, with Kahari Jones taking on even more water, so to speak, as far as the coaching goes, I mean, he was already the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator before Mike Sherman was let go. And now you throw on the head coaching title to him, and as a result, too, uh, with the receivers coach bolting when uh, when Sherman left. There's only so much of Kahari to go around, so he needs all the help he can get. And I said that you've got to be able to give this guy help because otherwise, like the quarterbacks are not going to be able to produce the uh, the entire offense as a whole. It's just only going to get dribs and drabs basically of Kahari because he's got to be everywhere now as the head coach of the team. Right. So he needs help. He needs people that he can rely on and they can work with that are going to come in and help this team out. And uh, hiring a Robert Gordon is definitely a, a great step in that direction. He'll be taking care of the receivers. Uh, and Lord knows he's got some talented players to work with there. So, And he has quite a resume for himself. I mean, geez. I mean, 13 years in the CFL. Uh, six seasons where – six of those seasons where he played back-to-back also in the Arena League. Um, 
you know, following his playing career, for those who don't know, for Robert Gordon, uh, who was a Detroit, Michigan native. He, uh, he joined the Omaha Mammoths of the uh, now defunct Fall Experimental Football League. Um, that's where Jay Gruden got his his chops a little bit. Of his, I think I think some of his chops done the Washington Redskins quarter. Uh, sorry, not quarterback, but uh, head coach. Um, but he was also recently named. I think I mentioned his last pod. He was also uh, he was named the head coach of the Shenyang Black Rhinos of the China Arena Football League. Uh, they never did play the season, but he was a part of their entire process uh, when it came to uh, determining which which players were going to be on his team. So. Um, the, the guy has a, has a good resume. He has a good resume. So it's, I, I'm, I'm very happy to have him on the team. Um, as you said, give Kahari some help. Um, and it's funny, we found out, I think it was today, not only is Kahari getting help with, uh, with Gordon, but where he's also getting help with another coach, isn't he? That's right. Uh, the Alouettes announced uh, they are, they've added former CFL receiver Markway McDaniel as an off- offensive assistant coach. Uh, so again, with, that that's kind of leaves things open up to interpretation. Uh, for those of you who know, uh, Markway McDonald has uh, had a very prolif- prolific career Quite. in the Canadian Football League. Uh, he's played for the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Uh, also uh, played a little bit with the uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, guy, guy's a winner. The guy knows how to win. Uh, again, as far as receiving talent goes, uh, there's few better. Over, over the years than what Mark Way McDonald has been. Uh, he's also got a little bit of coaching experience uh, working as a guest coach, and he also, I believe, spent some time with uh, uh, McMaster as well as uh, as part of their staff, uh, just trying to get his feet wet in the coaching, uh, coaching gig. So now he's got a chance to, once again, work with Kahari Jones uh, because they also worked together briefly uh, in Hamilton. So I think it's going to be, uh, again, as we said, Kahari needs help. This is the help that you, you have to bring in the help. You have to give your co- your head coach as much help as possible. Again, Mark Way McDaniel knows this game up and down, left and right. Uh, so does Flash Gordon. I mean, it's just that uh, McDaniel's experience now is a little bit more relevant, having recently been removed from his playing days. But I think with uh, both Gordon and McDaniel joining Kahari, I think this is definitely good to help keep the offense on track, uh, I definitely think this will definitely give Kahari a chance to work more with the quarterbacks to help develop them. And if it gives a chance for the receivers to get comfortable with uh, these new coaches, uh, the running backs, like if the offense as a whole is able to improve, because again, once 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 Vernon Adams came into the game versus the Eskimos, everything just sort of clicked. Everything just kind of went into place. Right. And now with this defense. That's a bit of a concern. So now, at least if we know that the offense is taken care of, now maybe Kahari can focus a little bit more on the defense and just get that in order. Because, again, there's some very talented defensive players on this group, but it didn't look like it at times versus the Eskimos. Now, again, as we saw this this past weekend against the uh, BC Lions, this Edmonton Eskimos team is for real. So maybe we sort of have to take that into the equation as well. We can't just automatically assume that the Alouettes are not a good team just because they played a very good team. Uh, this is where I think uh, Hamilton will be a very good test because Hamilton, likewise, they're 2-0, and and they've been playing some really, really good football. But it comes down to the caliber of opponents because they were the, the Tiger Cats were playing a Saskatchewan Rough Riders team that is now 0-2 and uh, not, face, not putting their best foot forward, uh, at least until this past week. 
And then you're playing the Argos, which uh, unfortunately did not look very good at all. Uh, so I think this game is going to be a very good test for the uh, for the Alouettes. And I just hope that this defensive core realizes now that they've got to all be on the same page because there was a lot of times where I felt they just did not have it all together. And a lot of that has to go to, comes down to the coaching. Yeah. So now, now, that, uh, now that the offense is more or less taken care of, at least there's, there's help there. As far as coaching that goes, maybe now Kahari's going to focus a little bit more on the defense, working a little bit with Bob Slowick and his defensive staff, and just trying to get, make sure that everybody is, like I said, on the same page, make sure that they understand what needs to be done, make sure what their assignments are, and just tighten things up. Because, yes, you did play a very good Eskimos team, but and you're going to be playing a very good Tiger Cats team. Right. But we, we, we can't have these games where you're putting up, essentially, or you're letting, you're letting your opponent put up 440 some odd passing yards on you for example yeah let me ask you a question when you're talking about with the with the new coaches that we have this seems to be very different from different from last year um you know with the with the with you know with us having um having basically you know sherman as our head coach is us getting these coaches these new coaches is it the kahari effect or is this the current CFL ownership effect, or is it a mixture of both? What do you think? I'd say it's a mixture of both. I, I, let's be honest. I mean, there's how many times last year did we hear stories of good CFL coaches being interviewed by the Alouettes, and those coaches deciding to just not come up, come aboard. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we've heard that. Again, Devon Claybrooks, Mark Washington, those were just a couple of the names that were interviewed. And instead, we end up with Mike Sherman as the head coach and uh, Bob Slowick as defensive coordinator. I, I just find it hard to believe that there's so much CFL talent out there, coaching-wise, and we can't get our hands on any of it. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the, the situation off the field. Now with Kahari Jones as the head coach, you can at least say, well, now the Alouettes do have a head coach that has CFL experience. Maybe now that's a little bit more attractive. Maybe now there is that idea that, okay, well, maybe the Alouettes just didn't know what they were doing before. Maybe now they've kind of got things figured out a little bit better. And Kahari is very well respected throughout the league. Maybe now I want to be a part of this. Maybe now I want to come on board and see if I can't be a part of something special. And I'm guessing that's that's what it is now that we've got uh, Mark Wade McDaniel and uh, Robert in this club. Uh, maybe this is how this is how it's going to have to be. Definitely not the ideal way. I mean, in a perfect world, you have your coaching staff completely set in place well before the season gets underway. But right, right. once again, this is the hand that's been dealt. And uh, whether you want to blame ownership, whether you want to blame the administration, you can blame any number of things. You can play the blame game all you want, or like everybody else on uh, on social media, just assume that this team is run by a bunch of idiots. But you know what? It's now the CFL that's running things. So you just basically called the CFL a bunch of idiots. So <laughs> I am, and and this is a, a question that, that I thought of, and I just happened to look at look it up now. Um, uh, what about the? Uh, I was thinking, how would this? Is, how is this? Uh, the Al's, uh, these new coachings coaches joining the team going to uh going to be affected by the new coach's salary cap and i had to look up some information while you were while you were, ch- while you were chatting there and uh you can have a it's capped at 11 coaches and 14 other operational staff 
But the cap is also set at $2.588 million for 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. So I did a number on uh, – did a number. <laughs> I was counting the, the amount of coaches that we currently have, and we're right at it. We're now right at 11. Now, my question to you is, were we, were we the entire time playing shorthanded once they let uh, – well, once Sherman left and once well, after Sherman's son left? Uh, did that put us at 10, uh, at, at 9? Uh, it did because also too, as I said, uh, the uh, receivers coach I believe is Ar- Andre Barboza. He also was part of that as well. So, uh, and all, again, I, I'm not sh- entirely sure if you can consider Sherman's son to be a coach because I think he was just a special assistant. So I'm not sure exactly what role he played other than working with his dad. <laughs> I, I I really can't speak to that. And all that we were given officially was that he's the special assistant to the head coach. So, but again, and what did you say Marquez a title was, what did you hear that it was? It's offensive assistant coach. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's what they're showing here too. That's what they're showing here too. Okay. So it's not like he's, he's not an actual position coach. And, uh, I, my guess is kind of like how it was, uh, a a couple years ago, the defense with North Thorpe's uh, defense, defense had they didn't have position coaches there either it was pretty much defensive assistants where guys like billy parker and uh uh i think andre bulldick was uh, a defensive coach at that point too or no sorry i'm uh, jason hogan sorry i say can't be bulldick because he's currently our running backs coach right no I, i'm getting my co- my getting <laughs> my back coaches mixed up here but uh, jason hogan was also a defensive assistant but again the idea and i asked noel thorpe at the time about that like why like for example, why don't you have Billy Parker as like the DB's coach? And he gave me the explanation about why, make, by making everybody defensive assistant, you're making everybody accountable, and they can all they can work where it's needed. So like, if the DBs need help, they can go do that. If the defensive line needs help, they can take care of that, and so on. So that's maybe that's kind of the idea a little bit here with uh, with McDaniel is. Yes, even though we know him as a receiver, he's not necessarily a receiver's coach. Like he can go and he can work with the running backs. He can maybe help out with the O line and even the quarterbacks, perhaps. So there's so he would be working with Paul Dunn. Yes. Okay, because I just noticed that, that his title also is listed as offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Which I was like, okay. Yep. Which has happened now in Montreal for the past couple of years. Typically, whoever the offensive line coach is also seems to take care of the run game as well. Or the running backs coach works with the offensive line as an assistant there too. So it seems like this is how they sort of, I don't want to say mix, mix things up, but uh, like I said, they, 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 they seem to get uh, a few fingers in each pie so that you know everybody sort of knows what the other one's doing. So yeah, whether, whether or not it's a, a great strategy versus having a, position coach strictly for this position and that's it i mean one could argue maybe this isn't the best strategy considering the LOS record over the past couple of years but that's the way things are working out right now whether you want to blame the uh the coach's salary cap on that or just the the current working situation for the alouettes it, it really is hard to say but now with kahari in charge now you're bringing all these other coaches in that have cfl experience that's the key and that's why I'm certainly not mad at any of these moves is at least we can look at these a lot of these coaches now and say, yes, they do have CFL experience. Uh, we're seeing it now on the offensive side of the ball, and God willing, we'll eventually see it on the defensive side of the ball, too. Yeah, uh, we're, we're hoping. We're hoping. 
Um, trying to think, of, is there anything else that came across the wire that we want to talk about before we get into the uh, get into the the game itself? Uh, I do, but before we get Cliff, think about that for a second. Just want to remind everybody that we are on social media. There are multiple places where you can find us. Uh, best place is to find us over on Twitter. Uh, that is at Alouette's FL Deck. And you can head over to our Facebook page. It's at Alex Flight Deck, but uh, I, I will admit that's that's been a little lacking. But we're we're trying to we're trying to keep up with it. Also, if you want to listen to uh, any of the archives of of the Alouette's Flight Deck, uh, you can head over to uh, Alouette's Flight Deck. Be sorry, www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca, or you can go over to um, to Google Play Music, go over to Apple Podcasts, to uh, Stitcher, or to Spotify. Um, was there anything else? I know I wanted to bring up one thing. It, it's team related that we can talk about before we. But, but was there anything else that, that came across the wire that uh, I guess I don't necessarily maybe not necessarily owls related, but CFO related or whatever that the, that uh, that either uh, uh, pissed you off, got into your craw, or uh, really stood out as something that we should mention to the fans. Well, uh, there was other another little bit of Alouette's news that sort of came across uh, a little bit uh, earlier uh, last week. Uh, the Alouettes finally got to put pen to paper for their their first draft pick of the 2019 draft, mm-hmm. uh, Kayon Julian Grant, yep. uh, which is definitely exciting because you can never have too many good national receivers. And this kid is a playmaker out of St. Francis Xavier. Uh, unfortunately, he has a very tough agent in uh, one. Uh, I think it's Jonathan Hardaway is his agent, and he's very notorious for being able to get the most out of for his clients. And that often means, though, that the, the the draft pick sits out of training camp. So, unfortunately, now uh, Kayon has to get caught up very quickly in this offense. Uh, I don't know in, at what point we'll get a chance to actually see him in action, but uh, just go take a look at his film. Uh, you can see why the Alouettes drafted him uh, in the thir- 13th position, or in the second round, I should say. Uh Kid's definitely a burner, definitely a playmaker extraordinaire. Uh, I'm definitely really excited to see what he can do, especially with two working with the quarterbacks that he has in Montreal. Uh, how much of a chance he'll get? It's it's too 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 soon to say, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, do you dare now place that, him on the on the practice roster? Because as every for, to remind everybody, I'm sure everybody knows. But those of you who don't who have been following the CFL, if you're on a practice roster, any team can come and take it at any given time. But you have to play them the next week. Does the, do the Owls dare do that, or do they put him on the act on the on the actual active roster? Well, and this is kind of the tricky part, especially too with him not being in training camp. Is maybe that's not an attractive option necessarily for a lot of players or a lot of uh, other teams, I should say. Uh, but at the same time, as you said, if you put him on the active roster, it means you've got to use him. So unless you, if scratch, if unless he, you scratch him, unless right. you scratch him, that that that's that's the plus itself. But he still gets paid. I mean, the positive is too is that he is he is a receiver and a returner. So maybe he could get some reps that way, whether it be through uh, through kickoffs or, or special teams, because usually, as we know, a lot of these guys will get their start on special teams before they actually get to see the, the field with the ones or the twos. Mm-hmm. The only thing I, I'm thinking, though, is obviously Stefan Logan is still our returner, and uh, we've also got Ryder Stone back there that's able to return kicks as well. That's true, yeah. uh, again, we, we'll see how the rest of the week of practice turns out, but... Uh, yeah, the the Alouettes, now that they've got this guy under contract, they're going to have to make a decision very quickly and decide like how uh, how quickly can you get up to speed, and at what point can we put him in the lineup and make him a part of this team? So uh, 
I, I definitely think he'll end up uh, putting in some time on special teams if they decide to actually activate him. Right. That's just that's just the way it is in the Canadian Football League. When you're a rookie, you you got to pay your dues. You got to put your time in on special teams and just make it work as best you can. So, but I'm I'm really curious to see. Uh, just how quickly he can get uh, up to speed, and uh, if he can, if he can just be half the player that he was with uh, St. Francis Xavier, oh boy, we, we uh, it's one of those situations where you can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that, okay, this team was needing playmakers for the longest time. They finally have guys like uh, Devere Posey, B.J. Cunningham, uh, Eugene Lewis. Like These are bona fide playmakers. Now we need it on the national side. you got Malcolm Carter. you got... Uh, uh, Richmond, uh, I, I'm going to screw up his name here, but uh, Katia. And now with uh, Kayon Julian Grant in the lineup, potentially, if he can be at that level, this Alouette's team, as far as national receiver goes, will be more than fine. Yeah. And I, I, I sincerely hope that uh, he's putting in his work, he's learning the playbook, he's he's, a, he's basically getting a crash course in football right now. So I'm, I'm hoping he's soaking it all in and Hopefully it won't be too long before we see him in the lineup. What's your thought on uh, on another? Well, you know, we had the new territorial draft picks that were given to the Owls and the Argos. I, I, the, you know, the CFL is offering them to the, I guess, the worst two teams in the league. Um, what's your thought? Do you think the Alouettes are going to, uh, well, considering what they do and don't have as far as draft picks, uh, will the Owls even be a player, a possible player in that supplemental draft that will be occurring on uh, on Wednesday? That's a good question. I I know last year they went and they got Tyler Johnstone for in the supplemental draft, which basically cost them the first round their first round pick this year, which would have gone second overall. Right. Uh, as as far as because the big guy, the big person that they're looking at is I'm trying to remember his name. He was a uh, uh, he played in the AAF this year. Uh, he was center for the Salt Lake Stallions, I think it was. Um, that's that. Uh, that's I think that's the big name. I think I think I'm looking here. Um, it's not Ted Laurent. No, <laughs> Ted Laurent is very much a uh, a veteran. Yeah. Um, oh, they're talking about oh in the past. Okay, that's what they're saying. They're talking about in the past. Okay. Um, I can't remember. But but if anybody who don't know for for those who it's unclear, the supplemental draft features players who were not declared nationals in time for the CFL draft that takes place in May. Um, oh, the crazy Canadian rules, eh? Oh, you gotta love it. <laughs> but I, I don't remember who the person was. They mentioned who it was specifically. Uh, I, I feel bad not knowing this, but it's I don't have it in front of me. Well, the biggest uh, name that a lot of people are looking at now is Jake Bennett. He played, uh, he's a center for the Colorado State Rams. That's who it is. I think he played in the AAF. Yeah, you're right. He, you're absolutely right. He played for uh, Salt Lake. It was it, okay. It was him. Okay, that's who I was talking about. I, I couldn't even remember. Could not even remember. So, yeah. And again, it's one of those situations where you can't have too many good offensive linemen, especially national offensive linemen. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as I said last year, the Alouettes kind of blew their brains out to get Tyler Johnstone. And again, he's but it's worked. definitely. But the thing is, it's worked out though. That's the thing. So far, so good. But uh, it's just one of the things you really want to take that chance again and cough up another. First round pick, which well for us actually, would be what twenty twenty three. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the other thing as well because uh, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one actually belongs to Hamilton. So, uh, well, I yeah. think they said Toronto has the uh, 
has well, tr- has well yeah, Toronto would have. You're right. Toronto would have priority. They do. That's uh, what they've already said. Yeah. And again, the was too. May also want to make a move. Uh, oh. We we know Jim Pop. He mm-hmm. he, he loves him some uh, national uh, offensive line talent. But yep, uh, yep, yep. Yep, yep. W- with all that in mind, I just I just don't see the Alouettes being a, a participant in this. But and unless I think they can, you know. Get a little sneaky and maybe get away with giving up maybe a third or fourth round draft pick for this. I don't know. But, I don't know what they. I have no clue. I got no I, clue. I got no clue what they could do. Um, also, um, the quick Alouettes news that came across as far as season ticket holders uh, for those who may not have not been with the Alouettes as a season season ticket holder. Wow, tongue twister. For at least the last uh, 21 plus years, uh, the Alouettes are. And if you remember seeing this in the uh, in the the, uh, the season ticket paraphernalia and stuff like that, um, maybe it might ring a bell. Uh, the Alouettes are going to be holding a. Um, I guess it's an invite only um, a ceremony to unveil their uh, their wall of fame. Uh, it's something that's going to be set up. Uh, permanently over in the historical section over near the uh, near the box office um, near one of the main entrances there off of Pine and what it is that uh, anybody who has has been a season ticket holder for the Alouettes for 21 plus years as I mentioned uh, I think all invites are heading out or will be if you haven't gotten already I'm I'm sure you have but I know their deadline was coming up um but they will be having a, uh, a, a, as I said, a ceremony to unveil this and to commemorate all the season ticket holders uh, who have been with the Alouettes for 21 plus years. So I was lucky enough to be one of those invitees. So I'm looking forward to that, Cliff. I'm curious to know what this is going to look like. I don't know if there's been some translation because I got the English, um, I got the English uh, invite. Um, and some of it doesn't really correspond from what I understood from what I was told or what it said in the season ticket book, uh, or a season ticket package, but I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, uh, I'll obviously I'll let, uh, I'll bring my stories from it when it does occur for the, and this, this is occurring by the way, um, right before the owls opener on the fourth. So, uh, again, uh, any of you uh, have been season ticket holders for more than 21 years and you're going to be attending shoot me an email uh or, or, or rather just contact me on on social media i'm at repact r-e-p-p-a-c-t on twitter uh and uh, just let me know let me know um anything else cliff before we talk about this week's game no i'd say uh you know cfl's chugging along uh i think we're starting to see uh it's only been like two weeks so far but uh we've been seeing all sorts of uh crazy stuff already uh, you're uh, kidding man <laughs> I, I tell you it just mike riley it, shaving his beard what <laughs> oh man that's when you know things are serious i mean mind you I, as i joked last night i think he, he didn't shave his beard off it just got tackled off <laughs> no 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 burned <laughs> hard to argue that i mean my 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 goodness i mean as i said this this speaks to what I was talking about earlier about just the, this Edmonton Eskimos team. We didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you, because again, they've got a whole bunch of new pieces in place and just how quickly was it all going to gel? Huh? And, yeah. and lo, lo and behold, man, they, they've got it together. They so definitely, uh, you're right. It, it's two games in though. And they look like world beaters already. And wow. And for all the, the hype of the BC lions with bringing in Mike Riley, Devon Claybooks as the head coach, uh, a whole bunch of other players uh 
They, they, uh, just, the Alliance just signed what well, just recently. They just signed another former Alouette. Yes, they did. Uh, and Lord knows uh, he'll be expected to help out right away. That would be one Brandon Dozier, mm-hmm. uh, former CFL Eastern All Star Brandon Dozier. Yeah. Uh, as I said we, earlier this year, he, he just kind of got lost in the numbers game here in Montreal, and I knew that he was not going to be out of work for very long. And sure enough, uh, he 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 got the he got the call to come and uh, play out on the left coast. And uh, once again, uh, we wish him all the best. Except against when he's playing the Alouettes, exactly. but uh, I, I think he'll get a chance to shine out there. And uh, Lord knows they can use all the help they can get, uh, especially when it comes to the defense. So here's uh, here's hoping that uh, Brandon can go out there and prove that he's a star. Now, speaking of defense, we already mentioned that we're having problems. We're going up against this Hamilton Tiger Cats team that, wow, destroyed the Argos by 50. I was at a wedding at the time when I happened to see what this final, because I received the, the final stats email from the CFL in my inbox and i just i did a double take and i was like there's no way and sure enough i was like 50 points they knock off the argos by 50 um considering what the alouettes did uh well what the what, what happened with the alouettes in their opener um what's your thought on this upcoming game because it could be easily be you know it it, it, it is it a that, that type of game where um uh, it could be the same old, same old type of thing, you know, especially, you know, it's week two, you know, it's technically, technically week three uh, for, for the Alouettes. Uh, you know, they've come off of a, a a season opener where they just get, you know, they just basically get run over uh, by their opposition, not only in passing, but in, in overall yards itself. Or or no matter what the Alouettes, ha- you know, no matter the the uh, the injuries, could this be a tra- it's hard to say this in week three. But could this be a trap game? You know, are Hamilton Tiger Cat fans going into this game salivating um, when, you know, where it's very possible that the Alouettes are going to come out and be an Alouettes defense that we've known them to be in years past? Well, I definitely think that Hamilton Tiger Cat fans are going to respect Vernon Adams because he did actually play for them last year. Uh, I was in training camp and looked to be a part of this team, the the team in Hamilton, until he wasn't. Uh, so I think now with Adams and the showing that he had versus Edmonton, I think that offensively, I think uh, Hamilton thinks that uh, Montreal can hang with them. But yeah, the big question right now is the defense because you're right. This uh, this defensive core can make some make plays happen. They cause some turnovers, but man, they let. They they let the Edmonton Eskimos run a rough shot over them in the air and on the ground. And when you got a quarterback like Jeremiah Masoli able to sling the rock the way he does, uh, the only way you're gonna you really got to rattle him. You got to find a way to get in his kitchen and just disrupt him completely. And that's easier said than done, especially too playing at Tim Hortons Field where. The, the the Tiger Cats, the, the fan base there just knows how to get True, things. But, but the Alouettes, as of late, have done very well. I mean, they, they stopped the big streak that was at, uh, you know, when the Tiger Cats were, were winning everything that they did when the when it first opened up. You know, they have actually have won three of the last five. No, I, again, that's, you're absolutely right. There, the, the possibility is there. For me, though, what it's going to come down to is this defense because if you let Brandon Banks just get Give that guy an inch, he will take a yard. He will take he'll take several yards. As a matter of oh, fact, no kidding, no kidding. We saw that for sure. Oh, I, I, Braylon Addison too is just a name that uh, he may not be a household name yet, but uh, I tell you what, he had a monster game against the Argonauts, and 
at this point, if nothing else, we're going to find when it's all said and done, we'll find out if it's that the Hamilton Tiger Cats were really that good of a football team or if the Argos were really that bad of a football mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And also, too, this is going to be a measuring stick for the Alouettes because they're coming off the bye week. Uh, they had all this upheaval as far as coaching goes and losing Antonio Pipkin at the starting quarterback position. I, I think now, I, I think Vernon Adams knows what it takes to win in Hamilton. He knows what it takes to start for the Alouettes in Hamilton, and he played a very good game back in 2016. Uh, I think now he realizes just how important the task at hand is, and I think he's going to be more than ready. I think he's going to be motivated, not not that he has any ill will towards anyone with the Tiger Cats organization, but I think he wants to prove to everybody that's going to be watching on Friday night that he wants this. He wants to win, and he, he is going to put this team on his back yet again, and he's going to make things happen. And that's what I, that's what I'm personally excited about. Uh, but the big thing, as far as I'm concerned, though, is you've got to get Masoli off his game. And easier said than done, but if, if this defense – I, I know they're banged up. I know they've got a few uh, few pieces out right now. But if this defense can come together and just make everybody forget about that uh, less-than-stellar performance out in Edmonton, if they can come in, rattle Masoli, if they can keep Brandon Banks honest, I'd like to see this game become a, a very competitive affair like what the fourth quarter in Edmonton ended up being. Yeah. And that's that's exciting to me. Yeah. That's, that's what I want to see. And I think that this game has potential to be that. I think we can see a, a really exciting shootout of a game. Because both these quarterbacks, they can they can sling it. The, both these quarterbacks can make plays happen. I think it's just going to come down to who can stay disciplined, who can create the most opportunities, and just the defense is going to have to come up for both of these teams. And I think this is going to have to be the wake-up call for Montreal as far as their defensive core goes. Is like They have to perform. They have to have the game of their life. It's early still, but... It, knowing that you're also going to be playing Hamilton again the week afterwards at yep. home... Yep. You gotta make a statement. You gotta get. You, you gotta basically kick these guys in the teeth, and you gotta make make something happen here. I yeah. mean, you, may, you don't necessarily have to win the game. That's not gonna you know affect your season. But I definitely think you have to make another statement once again. Like you made a statement against the Edmonton Eskimos when it was all said and done. I think Montreal is going to have to make a similar statement, if not yeah. a stronger statement, it, against the Hamilton Tiger. They can cut back on the yards because the man. Remember, the Alouettes only lost by seven. That's what I think. What you know, you sure you can look at the yardage, you know, and you look at what uh, what uh, Hamilton did last week and how much they won by. You know, they themselves threw for over 400, 400, uh, 400 yards, four hundred forty three yards, uh, more than uh, almost a, uh, I think one hundred fifty yards in total offense. Uh, sorry, in in rushing. So, uh, but yet they only lost by seven. I think they were just gassed. But man, sixty four points. <laughs> That's absolutely. Was- that's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget too that they were able to corral the uh, Saskatchewan or the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were able to keep them honest for the most part too. Yeah, yeah. Until uh, uh, once once you you look past what happened with Simone Lawrence and all that. Yeah, Saskatchewan was able to play Hamilton very competitive as well. So it's not one of those situations. This is what I was talking about with. Uh, we're going to find out just how good Hamilton is, and if it shows just how bad Toronto was because. Right. At this point, I think Hamilton still feels like they have to prove themselves to to people again as well. Like they, even though everybody's picked them to finish first in the CFL East, I still think that they've got something to prove, and I, I think they feel that way too. And the best way to prove it is to go out and just whoop these teams that you're playing. And 
I, I don't think they're taking Montreal lightly by any stretch of the imagination. I think, again, they realize what they've got as a foe when it comes to Vernon Adams leading this team. Yeah. But they're going to come out. They're, they're not going to. I don't think they're taking Montreal lightly. And I, I hope Montreal doesn't think that they are going to take them lightly. So as far as this being a trap game, I honestly don't think Hamilton sees it that way. But uh, let's hope they do because, I mean, it'd be pretty cool if you go walk into. All, everybody's doubting you. Yeah. Everybody's doubting the Alouettes. Yeah. And if, uh, ha- God forbid, if Hamilton starts sounding them as well, uh, you, you just never know. But uh, I, I think Montreal will come in to this game extremely prepared. I think they'll be ready to go. And, again, I'm not going to guarantee a victory, but I definitely think this could be a good competitive game. And at the end of the day, that's all you really want is a good competitive yeah, game from the football team. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Uh, the Alouettes all-time and in, in, uh, games coming off of a bye, they're 14-14 and all-time. Uh, on the road, which they are, they are uh, all time. Oh, sorry. Since, well, this is since 2002 since the buys have been can keeping track. Uh, the Owls coming off of a bye week uh, on the road are four and eight. Um, doesn't doesn't bode well. Um, but you know, we we have seen uh, we we've seen different things. We, we've seen different things when it came to you know the, how this team is and, and stuff like that. So um, this is the first time actually that they've ever played. Uh, Hamilton off of a bye week. Uh, uh, nope, once. Sorry, once they did it once. Is this information right? <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, this is the first time. This is the first time that they've actually played Hamilton uh, coming off of a bye uh, since 2002. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said, I mean, I, I don't think it, it can be a trap game because you know, can trap games occur this early in the season? I, that that's you know that that's tough to say. I think once you get into the latter half of the season, and depending on where a team currently is, it, it, you could I'm sure you could call it a trap game. Um, but it, obviously, it seems that everybody's looking at how how Hamilton has done this past two weeks. You know, it seems like most of the quote unquote experts have uh, all but one have picked Hamilton to win this game. Uh, whatever. Um, and but I think one of the funny things that you mentioned too, Cliff, is that uh, um, these uh, these uh, these. Uh, what are they? The, the the poll the pollsters in where you know the you know, the rankings. Uh, I thought you put in a, a pretty funny thing on social media, but it seems like you know some of them actually were smart enough and then not put put uh, Montreal uh, Montreal uh, last. And so, but you know they're they're all perspective, whatever, whatever, right? <laughs> well, listen. I mean, last time I checked, though, the Grey Cup was not handed out in June oh, or July. Not? No. You, you can lose the Grey Cup in June or July, but it's certainly not handed out. So I, I tend to take these power rankings and you know predictions and things like that. I, I, I tend to take it with a grain of salt. At the end of the day, I want to see good competitive football. I want to see how Montreal is going to respond. I mean, it's certainly bizarre to have a bye week after your first game, but that's just the way the schedule works out. And now that they're back at work, now that they're hopefully focused, I think they, now they got that first game out of their system – they're gonna be playing for a good little while now, so let's see what uh, let's see what the work now that Kahari Jones is doing, especially now with uh, new coaches in play. That's what I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see how everyone is preparing for this game on Friday, and again, I I, I, have, I think this game has potential to be a really fun, interesting matchup. I, I don't think it's gonna be a blowout by any stretch for either team. Uh, I, I really think, uh, all things considered, I think it's going to be a very tightly contested affair, and it's really going to come down to which team is going to be the more disciplined and who's going to uh, 
create more turnovers. I, I think even though Montreal created more turnovers and lost against the Edmonton Eskimos, I still think this is going to be one of those games where if you can control the ball, if you can maintain possession, you're going to win this game. Yeah. And I, I, I'd like to see – we know what Hamilton, Hamilton can do. They, they certainly proved themselves so far against Saskatchewan and Toronto. Now I'm curious to see how Montreal is going to respond. How are they going to step up and make their case heard? Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't mention before, and I totally, totally forgot, I'm going to check on it now, uh, is I haven't seen any of the early lines for the game, but I'm double-checking it right now. Um, where is football? Uh, currently, the line is... Uh, do you uh, do you agree with this? Montre- uh, Hamilton's favored by 13 and a half. Sorry, <clears throat> 13 points. Well, over, again, over under a 58. Again, I, I think that's based... They're, they're basing it on... I think the expectation that Montreal is going to be as bad as what Toronto was, which is foolish as far as I'm concerned. But again, this is also to Montreal was also. Uh, I mean, uh, Saskatchewan. They get Saskatchewan favored currently by eleven and a half. Okay, over Toronto. Okay, that I get. Calgary's favored by ten and a half over BC. What? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. That well, that offensive line. I'm telling yeah, you right now. It's but I, again, I think I think the lines themselves here. They're they're basing everything off of. The, the, I, you know, I would probably take the 13 points. I would definitely take the 13. Again, Montreal was, uh, was uh, or sorry, Edmonton was favored by 13 points as well uh, two weeks ago. And Montreal covered. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a huge better, but uh, I, I think I'd take that action. Like, you want to you give me 13 and a half points? I, I think I'd like that. Yeah, I think uh, I think Montreal can cover that. I take, I take that too. As I said, for me, it, it, it will be, as you said, it will be the defense being able to rebound from what happened last week, give their guys a little bit more time to to rest, uh, a little bit more longer drives, use Vernon Adams to his, who, uh, to his, uh, to his best, uh, make sure you include the running game because the running game really didn't do anything up until the fourth quarter. Uh, so you really need to get uh, you know Stanbeck going. Also, um, mm-hmm. it's you know if they give up these many points and they're able to be in the game again, okay. But still, I think uh, Al's give up another 600 yards of total offense. I think some makes me wonder if heads are going to start to roll again. Um, well, they say once is a mistake, twice is a choice. So if once again if Montreal coughs up that many yards, uh, then yeah, you, you definitely have to take a look and see where that's coming from when it comes to your defensive players mm-hmm. and and also your defensive coaches. And once again, you're going to be dealing with a very potent offense in Hamilton, and special teams is going to have to step up huge because again, I, I can't say this enough. Brandon Banks just torches people left, right, and center. Yeah. That's what he does. If yeah. you can find a way, just contain them somewhat. That could definitely be a huge momentum swing as well. But if you if you let this kid run all over you, and he will, and he'll let you know about it too on social media, uh, then yeah, that's gonna make a huge. That could be very much. That could very well be the TSN turning point, as far as I'm concerned, is whether Brendan Banks is able to break one off for a touchdown or not. Yeah. So what is it? The game uh, is on Friday. Excuse me. Friday at uh, seven thirty. By the way, it was nice. I was able to catch a little bit of the last Thursday game. It's nice to see they actually did bring bring back uh, uh, the the uh, rec laws for the, and their theme for Thursday night football. That's what it's all about. You got to long live the night. That's right. So, um, anything else before we go? No, like I said, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this game uh, just because one, we haven't seen any Alouettes football in uh, almost two weeks. Uh, really curious to see now. Just now that this is Vernon Adams' team. 
I'm curious to see how he is going to be leading it, and I'm curious to see how these players are going to respond to him under center. And I just want to see I want to see this team grow and improve. And I'm I'm really hoping that this they always say you should play to the strength of your opponent. And I think Hamilton definitely gives Montreal a good test. And the beautiful thing is you play them this Friday and then you play the Thursday afterwards against the same team. So any mistakes that you make, any sort of things that you didn't catch the first time around, you'll be that much more prepared for the next game. You, you won't have time to worry about uh, you know, the, the bad things. You just have to focus on what you've done and what works and apply the next game. So that's uh, to me, that's what's going to be interesting more than anything else in this uh, home and home series. Uh, I, I want to see what Montreal does. I want to see how they prepare for this game. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, as I said, a, a good spirited affair. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, so just getting back to see some Alouettes football and hopefully see some, some improvement. Cause we were, you know, let, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's not it be just a one quarter thing. Let's see a, an entire game where these guys can, can ball and as i said the, the score the score really wasn't mis it score i don't think the score was misleading it, just because of the yardage wise the owls were in this game by the fourth that's the main thing they were back in this game and they actually looked like an alowitz team that we know that can score and actually stay in game so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see so uh, i hope everybody enjoys the game we will be back next week but if you have any comments or concerns you can always uh, uh you know uh, give us a shout out on social media as i said before i'm at repact r-e-p-p-a-c-t on twitter and cliff is at cliffy d on twitter so so everybody here at the alowitz flight deck for our cliffy d i'm tim capper ron final approach Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.